Grab your Bibles, stand with me, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. What in the world's going on in the Middle East? Uh, where does this all fit in Bible prophecy? What does God say about this bad blood between brothers? Genesis chapter 25. We're going to look today at what I think is very relevant and practical as to a biblical overview as to where we're at now and where we're going according to the Word of God. Hey, look, I thought about it today. The Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's in the book of Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. And I believe today uh, that a lot of us, if I ask you what's going on in the Middle East right now, would you be able to tell me? Would you be able to tell me what's going on? Would you be able to tell me where you find that in the Bible? Would you be able to tell me what God's Word says about what's all in the news today? Would you be able to tell me where the origin of this started? Would you be able to tell your family and your friends as to the big picture from a biblical, prophetical perspective? Well, that's our goal today. As we look at this subject, bad blood between brothers. And here's where we're going. Seven pieces to the puzzle will bring this puzzle together. I want to begin reading in Genesis chapter 25. If you're there, say amen. In the book of Genesis chapter 25, skip down to verse 21. Abraham has a son named Isaac. And here we pick up in the text, verse 21. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. His wife's name was Rebekah. Because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Notice verse 23. Please underline it, and please note it. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations. Two nations, say that with me, two nations, say it again, two, I can't hear you, please note that, because that's what's going on right now, bad blood between brothers, bad blood between brothers, two nations are in thy womb, and the two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, one people shall be stronger than the other. Notice, the elder shall serve the younger. Underline that. The elder shall serve the younger. Say it with me. The elder shall serve the younger. Say it with me. What does that mean? How does that fit in today? What's going on? Father, in the name of Jesus, we want you to enlighten us today, to anoint us today. Thank you for the time we've had to worship and praise you. But Lord, we want to know the times we're living and what you're up to and where this is heading and what we ought to do and Lord, how we ought to make amends. Lord, how we ought to tell the good news that Jesus is coming again. Jesus, you will fulfill your word. We see it unfolding before our very eyes. And yet, Lord, I pray that you'll deliver us from complacency and indifference and lukewarmness and a nonchalant, non-caring attitude. Oh God, help us to know that the day is short and time is running out. 
And whether you come back again or whether we meet you in the clouds and whether we go in death, (laughs) we're here for a divine purpose. Help us to fulfill that purpose. And we'll thank you and praise you. Open our eyes, our hearts, and our wills to be submissive, yielded to you, understanding you've got our best interests in mind. You can be trusted. And we thank you for the lives you'll change now and the message that goes out to a world that's seeking answers and wondering things that are going on, not only here, but in our hearts, the war that's raging in our hearts, the flesh and the spirit, and the battle that rages between principalities and powers, and the war, Lord, on the outside. We trust you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going in the message today. Here's where we're going. You ready? Number one, we're going to see, I'll bring them on the screen. Don't worry about getting them right now. A barren mama who wants a baby. A barren mama who wants a baby. Number two, the second scene unfolds. Bad blood, babies, bad brothers, and the birthing of these bad brothers. Number three, we'll see very clearly the bargaining for the birthright. All of this is unfolding in the book of Genesis, and it's very practical and relevant as to what's going on in Israel today. Number four, the, uh, not only the bargaining for the birthright, but embezzlement of the blessing. We'll see that very clearly in Genesis chapter 27. And then we'll see the blackmail and uh, this, uh, what goes on in Jacob's life. Sixthly, we'll see very clearly uh, that... Uh, The big breakthrough. Oh, yes, Jacob needed a breakthrough like we need a breakthrough. And then finally, we'll see the beautiful benefits. Are you ready? Here we go in the text today. Bad blood between brothers. Now, you say, brother, pastor, that's in Israel. It never happened here. Wrong. I preached uh, funerals, three of one family, and it came to mind. I know two brothers who would pass each other in this community and never speak a word to each other. I know two brothers I preached uh, in a revival meeting. One sat on this side, one sat on this side. They never spoke. They never looked at each other. Bad blood. And listen, beloved, it's easy to develop a bad attitude. Amen. You watch the news. You watch all the things transpiring in our nation politically, geopolitically, spiritually, historically, prophetically. And it's easy to get a callous heart. There's some of us today that God is really wanting to zero in on us and we've been running from the Lord. But I want to tell you, God's got a great big picture of this whole scenario. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So, let's get into the text. By the way, did you see the cat? A cat. I saw a cat last week in a video jumping from a five-story building that was burning. Did you see that? This cat was on the fifth floor. The fire was raging in the building. The windows were bursting out. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a black cat leaps out of the window like a flying squirrel, flies down fifth story now, Five stories high, flies or really sails down to the ground, boom, hits the ground, bounces off about three feet high, and walks off as if never phased. (laughs) I'm telling it beats anything I've ever seen. Hey, you might feel like uh, you're leaping, uh, and I want to tell you, we're taking a leap of faith every day. 
So let's get into the text today. Number one, there's a barren mama who wants a baby. You do realize what's going on today in Israel and against the Palestinians. Who are the Palestinians? Where did they originate? How and what does this mean? Where is this going? What does the Bible say in regards to exactly where we're at and what's going on? You uh, don't have to look very far. I read in the paper early this morning again, the bombs are still going off from Israel into Gaza. Gaza, this little bit of strip. Come back tonight. We'll follow up on the message tonight. My time won't permit me today to share all that I want to share. Gaza is this little strip of land, 25 miles long, 7 miles wide, that would be on the coast of Israel, the west coast. Here's this where all of this action is taking place. Bombs have landed into Tel Aviv, the capital of Israel. We landed there in the uh, airport and in addition to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a boiling pot. Jerusalem, Zechariah chapter number 12 and verse 2 says, would be a cup of trembling. There'd be a power structure to control Jerusalem. The holiest site of uh, Jews is the Temple Mount, second holiest, third holiest site of the Muslims besides Medina and Mecca. And then for the Christian, a also holy site, the Temple Mount, Jerusalem. Now then, let's see how this unfolds in the Bible. Number one, a barren mama wants a baby. Number two, bad boys are birthed. Number three, here is that uh, bargaining for the birthright. And then number four, this backstabbing blackmail that we'll see. All of this progresses through the book of Genesis. Very relevant to today. And then number five, we'll see this uh, embezzlement for the blessing. Then number six, the big breakthrough. And then finally number seven, the benefits of uh, the beauty of these benefits. Number one, Isaac entreats his wife. Here's a barren mama who doesn't have a baby. You do know in Israel, to not have a baby would be considered a curse. In fact, today, every mama I know wants to have a baby. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah. One mama, she loaded on a bus. She had six children, not four, three, four. Y'all be four, right? She loaded on a bus. Her hair was all messed up. She got on this bus, her six children loaded on the bus. She was absolutely exhausted. Everybody could tell. Somebody leaned over and said to her, said, ma'am, are them your children? Or are you just going on a picnic? She said, yeah, they're my children. It ain't no picnic. I'll assure you that. And if you're a mama, you know, if you've got six children, you know what I'm talking about. Here is mama Rebecca. You draw the parallel between Isaac and his daddy, Abraham. Abraham had not children as, as well. Certainly there's a parallel there. However, you see that Isaac entreated the Lord. I recall a moment when I was reading the text. Uh, a couple, if I call their name, you'd know them. They couldn't have children. They tried and they tried and they tried for years and months and months to have a baby. And finally the Lord had us to pray with them. And I'll, I'll tell you who it was. It was Dustin and Kim Mitchell. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember them? We prayed that God would give them a child, a baby. And before long, they had a baby. Guess what? They had only had one baby. They had two babies, all right? God answers prayer. I remember another man that we prayed in the parking lot out here. 
uh, in the parking lot till 12 o'clock at night. He said, Pastor, I want, my wife want to have a baby. We can't have a baby. We've tried, we've tried, we've tried. And I said, well, let's pray. Let's believe the Lord. Let's exercise faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we prayed till midnight out of the parking lot. I'll never forget it. This never happened to me before. And it hadn't happened since. I looked at him and I said, go get the nursery ready. A baby's on the way. <laughs> now, I didn't know, but the Lord seemed to put that in my heart. Well, I was there when the baby was born, February the 8th, 10 years ago. Uh, Tyler and Candace Yancey. And I'll never forget that. Here is a mama. Here is a mama. Mama Rebecca wants a baby. And God gives her not one baby, but the bad boys, they're born. The bad boys are born. Notice these bad boys, and all of this is the text. I'll not go through all of it, but we'll see the bad boys that are going to be born. These were twins in her womb. Here's two boys. Who are these? The first came out red and like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Say that name with me. Esau. Say that name with me. Esau. One more time. Esau. Do you know who Esau's descendants are? Let me give you this real quick in case we run out of time. Write down this text, Genesis chapter 36. Why? Because you'll find in Genesis 36, Esau descendants relocated to a place called Edom. E-D-O-M. Edom is otherwise known as Mount Seir in the Bible or today would be modern day Petra in Jordan. We went there a few years ago. If you look at the nation of Israel, you'll look to the east. There's Jordan. There would be Petra or Mount Seir, Edom. Bottom line, Esau's descendants are Edomites. Say that with me. Edomites. Say that with me. Edomites. If you trace the Edomites, you'll find out they have uh, waged war against Israel. Bad blood between brothers. All right. The first young child that is delivered in this birthing, they called him Esau. And after that, notice, came his brother out, his hand took a hold, you've heard this, but have you put the dots, connected them together as to Bible prophecy? I dare say you probably may not have. That's the intention of the message. You're familiar with this, you've heard this, but what else in the scripture does this lead to in regards to what's going on today? His name is Esau, after his came his brother. His hand took a hold of Esau's heel. Literally the name Jacob, as you know, is heel catcher or supplanter, literally deceiver, con artist, if you will. And his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. Say it with me. Jacob. Say it with me. Jacob. Now, here you have two nations. Here was what God showed Rebecca. Two nations are warring in your womb. Who would the two nations be? Jacob would be a descendant of Abraham who had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had 12 sons who have the Israel's nation descendants come from this lineage of Jacob and Esau. Now you got two nations, Esau, the Edomites. Uh, some trace, and I'll not take time right now in the message due to time to tell you all of the reasons why I personally believe the Palestinians are tied to Esau and his descendants. Have you ever done a study on that? Do you know how to arrive from that conclusion? Could you tell somebody in the Bible how you determine this to be true? That the Palestinians are more than likely descendants of Esau. And that's who 
the Israelites are battling right now in Hamas. That's exactly under the PLO, under uh, the Mahud Abbas. By the way, time out. Can I tell you current events? Yesterday, our president, whom we need to pray for, President Biden called Netanyahu, who, by the way, prior to this skirmish, was not uh, selected as prime minister, Netanyahu. Uh, historic four elections uh, created a situation where Netanyahu could not pull a government together. Therefore, the other candidate, Bennett, was permitted to try to do this. And yet God had a bigger plan. Once the bomb started blowing up as of last week, then Israel realized it was too big for them. Therefore, they selected this military man, a God-fearing man, I might add, Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu. And now he is calling the shots and he is the prime minister. How does that unfold in this? What in the world caused this explosion? Three primary reasons. One, it was the end of Ramadan, the holiest uh, of the, one of the holy pillars of the, of the Islam religion, Ramadan, fasting and praying for Ramadan. It was the conclusion of Ramadan. In addition, it was Jerusalem Day. Do you know how long it had been since Israel had experienced freedom? 54 years. And as of Monday of last week, less than a week ago, Israel celebrated this Jerusalem day, in addition to Ramadan, you can see the sparks are flying. But one more reason calls this, besides what the Lord said in his word, would be that there were some Palestinians who we're told were, were ejected, should I say, or told to leave some area near Jerusalem. Nonetheless, there's a war right now. Listen, beloved, you might think, oh, well, they've done this before. It wouldn't take much to get Russia, Turkey, Syria, Iran, and Saudi Arabia and the Middle East into a major conflagration, in addition to America. I said that President called Netanyahu, but I didn't tell you this. Did you know he called as of Saturday, yesterday, or either Friday? He called Mahmoud Abbas, who is the PLO president. What did he tell Netanyahu? Here's what he said. He said, according to what I read, yes, I, we're supportive of Israel defending herself. However, he said, the civilian casualties are not good. Well, that didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But in addition, and I'm saying we need to pray for our president. Can I get an amen? Y'all look at me. A weak leader will create some real havoc in our nation. In my opinion, it's a weak foreign policy leader that we've got in America. And the terrorists that are funded by Iran and China. And unfortunately, I have to say that some of the monies from America are funding terrorists. And I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but at any rate, here we are, here we are. Well, what does the Bible say about this? Well, a barren mama has two babies and they're warring. These are two nations warring. The first one's name is Esau. He's a hunter of the field. Hey, by the way, Bryson, you showed me a picture. He caught a catfish. He showed it to me last night and he's going deer hunting. Hey, Amen. I'm not saying he's like, 
But I mean, hey, Esau was a man who loved venison. And, and yet, listen to me, there's nothing wrong with loving the outdoors. I love the outdoors. But Esau didn't, was not concerned with spiritual things. And therefore, the Lord knew that. And yet Esau, his daddy Jacob, uh, catered toward Esau, bring me some venison, go out and kill some venison and bring it back. On the other hand, Jacob, notice in chapter 25 of the book of Genesis, look at this. He says right here, he says in the, uh, I believe it's, uh, I don't know if I put this on the screen or not. Yes, here it is right here. And the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man. You know what that word plain means? Have you ever looked it up? Anybody ever looked it up? It means cultured. I used to think, well, Jacob uh, may be like a sissy. No, he was not at all. Jacob was a man as well as Esau was, a man's man, although he was a cultured man. There was a difference in the two. And yet uh, it says here, Moses wrote and said, Isaac loved Jacob. I'm sorry, Isaac loved Esau because he didn't eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So we've got the stage being set. Where do these puzzle pieces come together? One, there's a barren mama who wants a baby. Two, here's some bad boys being born. Bad boys being born. Now I know there's competition probably between brothers right here in your family. Jeremy, you got a brother, I've got a brother. How many know that in your growing up with brothers and sisters, you can have some competition? But it doesn't mean you should hate each other. I remember my brother's older than me, Brother Kenneth, and I always got the worst end when I was growing up until, Brother Charles, I got a certain age. I said, no more, no more. I've heard about the slingshots and other things, and you realize it was over with. Amen. Anyway, here's the point. Josh, you know what I'm talking about. Ken, although he was a lot older than you, and many of you know, Ralph, know what I'm talking about. So here's the bottom line. These boys were competitive, and yet here we lead to the next piece in the puzzle. What is it? It's found right here. The barren mama wants the baby, and the bad boys are born. But number three, notice, here we're going to see this bargaining for the birthright. Please put birthright, not blessing. Birthright, birthright. Say that with me. Birthright. And there are two uh, key words here as we progress through what's going on, the bad blood between brothers. There's a bargaining for the birthright. Now, if we took time, we'd read right here in the text uh, of uh, Genesis chapter 25. Uh, it was a day when Esau went out hunting and he was going to bring some venison in. However, he didn't succeed in his hunting experience, his adventure, expedition. And meanwhile, Jacob's at home. He's fixing some soup. Uh, lentil, pottage, onions and garlic and various things. They still fix it today in Israel. So what happens? Esau comes in. He's tired. He's hungry. His stomach is growling. He is a self-gratifying man. He only cares about the present. I'm preaching to a lot of Christians today that if we're not careful, we can cater to the flesh instead of the spirit. And uh, it appears that Esau had no interest in the things of God. He had no interest in spiritual things. He was all about himself. I'll tell you, that's the hedonistic society in which we live. Uh, get all you can, can all you get. And unfortunately, in the Christian life, we can choose between the flesh and the spirit. 
Paul said, walk in the spirit. You should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. Total opposition to one another. You may not do the things you please. Escalations 5, 16. So what does Esau do? He said, man, I'm hungry. I feel like I'm going to die. He probably had breakfast that morning. I don't know. But he's wanting to gratify us. Jacob says, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. Now, I don't go into all the connotations and explanations and ramifications concerning the birthright. However, I will say at this point, it, uh, according to some, was a sign that the person who received the birthright would have priestly responsibilities and delegated inheritance in that family. Uh, the elder would normally receive two-thirds of the inheritance in the Jewish custom, the younger one-third. However, Esau says, sell me a bowl of soup. Give me a bowl of soup. I tell you today, a lot of people set it out for a mess of pottage. Maybe today you're feeling like, you know, I just can't give Jesus everything. You sang about giving Jesus everything a moment ago. Oh, but I got this going on. I got this going on. Really? What's that going to matter in eternity? Is it going to really, you'll be able to take that in heaven? The Bible teaches that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those who name the name of Jesus. And think about it. What, what, kind of, uh, what, what kind of experience is that going to be when we uh, are held accountable? The life you've been given, the gifts we've been given, etc., etc. So, here Esau, the bargaining birthright, which leads us to the next scenario, the next piece of the puzzle. And it's this. It's found not only in the bargaining for the birthright, but embezzlement for the blessing. What happened here? Notice what happened here. In this blessing, here is a very strategic time in the development of what's going on today. The Edomites, the Israelites, Jacob, Esau, where's this heading? What kind of plan does God have for Jacob and the Israelites? Futuristic. What kind of plan does God have for the Edomites? Futuristic. Would you be able to tell me if I said, where in the Bible does God talk about Edom? Where in the Bible does God talk about the judgment of the Edomites? Would you be able to tell me the text? And what it says, if you don't know, come back tonight. We're going to be talking about it at 6 o'clock. I'll get into more detail. I believe the people of God should not be as the Hosea 4, 6. My people perish because a lack of knowledge. And there are people glued to the TV. There are people who are wondering what's going on. I think it's very important to change our life and to be witnesses unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's the scene. Jacob, keep in mind, Mama Rebecca has already been told that the elder will serve the younger. Why? God told her that. I'm not saying she followed the right protocol in this scenario, but she said to Jacob as her husband Isaac's getting up in age, his eyes are dim, he's getting a little bit uh, hard of hearing, and he is perhaps bedridden at this time. I'm not sure, but at any rate, we find out Mama Rebecca, her wheels begin to turn. Go talk with your daddy. Get the blessing from him. God had already told her that he would be the next in line. The elder would serve the younger. And yet Jacob says, but wait a minute, Mama. I I'm not like uh, Esau. I Esau was a hairy man. Mama Rebecca gets her wheels turning and she says, I'll tell you what, I can get some hair uh, uh, from an animal and we'll put it on you and, and you can just pretend like you're his, you're Esau. You know the story. How Isaac, uh, though he was uh, 
uh, aware. He could not, he, this don't sound like Esau to me. He was saying, uh, this sounds like Jacob, but wait a minute, maybe it is not. Long story short, Isaac gives Jacob the blessing. Now he's got the birthright and the blessing. Oh, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means this. There's a barren mama who wants a baby. There's some bad boys uh, that are born. And it means the bargaining for the birthright. And then bezelment, if I use that term, uh, for the blessing. And then number five, here is the backstabbing blackmail. What do I mean? Jacob hit the road, Jack, and don't come back. Why? Esau's mad as a hornet. He's going to kill you, son. You better take to tell and run. Esau's got blood in his eyes. Bad blood between brothers. What does Jacob do? He runs to Uncle Laban. And Uncle Laban, uh, he, he makes his way over to Uncle Laban. Now, Jacob learned what comes around goes around. Can I get an amen? Jacob learned that when what we sow, that's what we reap. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he also reaps. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Where are you sowing? What are you sowing? Are you angry with somebody? Are you mad? You got bad, bad blood in your family? Get it right today. Don't keep going until the sun goes down. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So what happens? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. The Lord put this on my message on my heart. And guess who Jacob worked seven years for? Jeremy. Laban's daughter. What was her name? Rachel. Imagine. But can you imagine waking up after your celebration of your wedding and being on your honeymoon? The next morning you look and it's not Rachel. It's ugly Leah. I mean, oh, that'll bless you. Jacob learned what goes around comes around. And next thing you know, he worked seven more years, 14 years. Jacob's a blessed man, but he has to learn a lesson like we must learn. And here's the lesson. That blackmail and, bar and, and this, uh, this will come around. So Jacob leaves Laban. He's a rich man now. He's been blessed to learn how to be a farmer and cattle, and he's blessed. However, Esau, Esau, he's not settled with Esau. Esau's still very angry. And he knows he's going to face Esau. So what does he do? This blackmail turns into a big blessing. We find in the book of Genesis chapter 32, Jacob came to the place in his life where he said, I need a change. I need a change. Is there anybody here that says, man, I'm tired of reaping what I've sown. I'm tired of sowing to the flesh, reaping corruption. Is there anybody here that says, you know, it seems like I, the blessings of God are not really on me. The anointing of God is not really on me. I need a change. I've lived with anger in my heart. I go to bed and I'm resentful. Yes, I can function in life, and, but, but, but I'm driven by lust and I'm driven by you know, uh, greed and covetousness. I need a change. I need to learn how to be content. I need how to learn how to pray and trust God and read the Bible. I need to know how to walk in the Spirit. Jacob came to the place knowing he's going to meet his brother and he wrestles with an angel. We call that a theophany, a pre-incarnate Christ. And in this process found in Genesis chapter 32, 
you find out that Jacob, I love it. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The angel wrestling all night long. Oh, you can imagine. I'll tell you, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And if you've ever been in intercessory prayer, you know what I'm talking about. The angel touches Jacob's thigh, the strongest place on a human being. We're told that a horse could not pull that sinew apart. Jacob, from that point on, he limped, but he had the power of God on him. Why? God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, a prince that prevails with God. It was a turning point in Jacob's life. How many of y'all need a turning point? Your children need a turning point. Your marriage needs a turning point. Your mindset needs a turning point. Your attitude needs a turning point. Your encouragement, oh yes, Jacob had a change. Well, that leads to the encounter with Esau. Well, I'm glad to tell you that these bad blood between these brothers, although they made a little bit of amends, still, later, the last point that I want you to remember is the beauty of the benefits. The beauty of the benefits. This war has been going on between Jacob and his descendants, and namely a brother as Esau and his descendants. Where does this lead? What does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means God has a plan for Israel. Yes, many are still in darkness. Maybe some listening right now are not saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. No amount of works can get you to heaven. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the Jews, many of them, according to Bible prophecy, after the rapture of the church, the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, will take place, culminating in the return of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. God will establish his covenants in the tribulation, seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vows, and 144,000 will be saved out of the 12 tribes of Israel, Revelation 7, Revelation 14. And then all of that will again lead to Christ coming again, and the Lord will build his millennial temple in the millennial 1,000-year reign, not when Christ comes back in the rapture, but rather when he comes back in the second coming. He inaugurates his kingdom. Then and then will Jacob's descendants turn to their Messiah and see the nail prints in his hand and all oh, they'll worship him. Paul said, all of Israel will be saved in a day. That's Romans chapter 11, 25 and 26. But right now, God's got a plan. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How many know there's not going to be real peace? There'll be a pseudo-peace when the Antichrist confirms the covenant at the beginning of the tribulation. However, there'll not be real peace until the Prince of Peace comes, establishes his millennial 1,000-year reign. What about the Edomites? What about Esau's descendants? What's going to happen to them? Come back tonight. You need to know what the Bible teaches specifically concerning the Edomites. Stand together. What does this mean to you? What does this mean to me? I'll tell you what it means. It means this hadn't caught God by surprise. It means this. Things unfolding before our very eyes. And you think, oh, it'll never happen. They won't get in a war over there in the Middle East. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. The Bible says one day they're going to 
invade Israel, a coalition of nations. Ezekiel 38. Don't think that America, hear me, hear me. Where's America in all of this scenario? Y'all listen. I do not see America in Bible prophecy, the name America. But I do see God bringing in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2. I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. You say it'll never happen. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. What does this mean to you and me? Bad blood. Is there a war going on in your heart right now? Is there a battle raging right now in your heart to yield to Jesus or not? We can see what's going on there, but what's going on here? How about take this message? Go and tell. Go and tell. God's Word is true. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your grace in our life. Thank you, Jesus. For letting us know where we're at and where we're going and what we ought to do. Have your will and way now, we pray. In Jesus' name.